As a OneOuter.com podcast listener, we're offering a special discount for joining PokerXFactor.com. You can qualify for a massive $70 off your sign-up. All you need to do is enter promotional code OneOuter70. That's O-N-E-O-U-T-E-R-7-0. Okay, Daniel, it's great. Thanks for uh, speaking with me. Uh, how's, how are things today? Um, they're pretty good. Just today is kind of a standard day. I'm a little bit tired, but it's whatever. Yeah. So what's what's your sort of standard day? Are you still at university just now? Um, no, not really. Uh, I'm taking a semester off to travel and focus on poker more. Okay, okay, that's understandable. And I, so, is it one more semester? Are you in your final year or something when you do return? Yeah. And it's something you you're definitely going to go back and finish your economics degree. Um, well, not definitely. Um, I haven't been working on an economics degree for the most part. I only recently changed it. Right. Um, it'll take me more than a year to finish my economics degree, so I'm not totally sure if I'll go with that. And also, I'm not really that don't really like, don't really like economics that much. Um, so I'm not totally sure if I'll finish that degree or not. Yeah, yeah. I suppose you know you're you're obviously you know doing really well at poker just now and stuff, and it would be sort of hard to you know go back and you know sit in a classroom and take notes, especially if it's a subject you're not you know it's not really gripping you. Um, but I thought there was quite a lot you know with economics and poker. There's a lot of sort of uh, related aspects and stuff. But again, you're not really going to see any major results from sitting in a classroom, are you? Uh no. Yeah, <laughs> you'd rather be out there uh, doing your own economics in the poker world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah sure. So, um, just how did you get started then with poker? Is it the typical story? You know, young guy deposits fifty dollars online and just runs it up, and that's what you're playing off just now, or uh, did you start off live? Um. Well, at some point that happened, but that wasn't really how I started. I started playing um like for five or ten dollars and height uh during lunch at high school using like paper chips basically it was and it was like a sit and go style like if you won all the other guys chips you won five or ten dollars and then once i graduated high school i started playing live cash games um i was playing 51 and 1 2 against players that were quite a bit better than me so i lost quite a bit uh when i played in these games and eventually uh i started playing online instead um and played lower stakes online. I played five, ten dollars in red books and stuff like that. And from there, it's I mean, it's not that standard in that I started winning pretty fast, but mm-hmm. since then it's been pretty relatively straightforward. Not really that straightforward, but yeah. So when you were playing live, I mean, what sort of if you were playing, you know, say fifty one, what sort of role were you playing off live there? Did did you have a role, or was it basically just money in your pocket? You know, you had four hundred dollars one week, so you went to the casino and played, or? Well, it wasn't at the casino. It was mostly like with people I knew, but I wasn't right. really that much that wasn't really good friends with. Right. Um, and also, uh, yeah, it was pretty much just money in my pocket. Whenever I had it, I'd, I'd go play. If I did have it. Um, also didn't really spend money on much, so I thought that this was probably the 
I thought this was a reasonable way to spend it. Yeah, I think, I think, uh, you know, I, I did that myself and I think you can get quite frustrated because, you know, one week you'll win, the next week you'll lose. You're sort of just going around in a circle and not really building anything, or, you know, when you're playing sort of, uh, hand to mouth, you know, as so to speak with money coming in and just sitting down with basically, you know, your role at the table or that week's money. And you might have a good week, you might have a bad week, but it's pretty much up and down. You know, you're not going to really build anything from that. So I'm just wondering if it was a conscious decision for you to say, right, I'm going to start with, you know, X amount of money online and proper bankroll management. Um, is that what happened? Um, well, sort of. Part of the reason why it was kind of, I mean, I always thought it was a good idea. But part of the reason why I did it with, uh, like live was because, like, I, I wasn't anywhere near making a role and, like, the only stakes that I could really play were, those stakes, those are the only games I knew about. Um, so I was like, like, I mean, I never really liked uh, just kind of half-assing going into these games with whatever money I had. It's just like my only real option if I wanted to play. Yeah. Um, and then playing online was probably one of my better decisions. Uh, even though I wasn't of age, uh, it just prevented me from losing too much and also let me play against players who I could actually beat. Yeah. Yeah, so it was definitely you could rather than sitting down at a table playing, you know, maybe one dollar, two dollar with two hundred dollars. If you have a few buy-ins, you know, six hundred dollars online, then you can play five tenths, five cents, ten cents, or you know, ten twenty-five, and you've got a lot more buy-ins, so you're sort of not under as much pressure for your decisions and stuff. Um, so you could sort of treat it more as a game, which is what a lot of pros say. You should, you know, the money should never sort of be in your head while you're playing it should be like a computer game you know like moving up the levels so to speak yeah exactly that's a good way of phrasing it yeah so that that just sort of took the pressure off you went i've got so many shots now and i can move up and down and you've never had a problem moving up and down levels um well it didn't happen that much to move down but i mean it it definitely isn't something i like doing to move down Mm -hmm. although i mean I wouldn't say, I mean, as far as, like, uh, I guess you could say that I didn't really have any problems with it, um, in that, like, I did it, but I definitely didn't like it much at all. Yeah, do you, do you think not liking it was um, an ego thing, because you've been, you've proved yourself successful, you know, for X amount of time at a certain level, and then whether it's a downswing, or maybe you're not playing, you know, as as good as you usually, etc., for whatever the reason that's caused the move down, do you think it's an ego thing, or do you think it's just you don't like playing with those players and that standard at that level? Um... It's an ego thing for sure. Yeah, I mean, to be at one level and then to go yeah. down definitely makes you not feel so good because you're going back in progress, at least in your mind. Yeah, and I think it's just a, a natural uh, human nature to sort of go, God, you know, I could have made this X amount, you know, if I'd been playing the higher stakes in such and such a time. I think it's just a constant battle, and and it is, it's the ego, and a lot of poker players, you know. We all have egos, and um, if you're having to drop down, then it, it's a thing. Especially when you're someone, um, I don't know, like like yourself, you know, that's sort of a, a player that people follow their results, etc. If something happens, then it must be hard for guys like that to, to drop down, you know. But uh, things seem to be going well for you just now, and there's no plans to drop down uh, currently. Um, just now, you're involved, you know, with uh, the Dirt Challenge. Um, that, that seems to be going great for you just now. Uh, how did you get involved in that? Was that a case of 
you simply approaching Tom Dwan and, you know, saying, you know, I'd like to take this up? Uh, no. Well, it was actually, actually what happened was Tom sort of like, um, egged me on into, to doing it. I mean, he kind of, I can't think of the word, he kind of like, uh, needled me. Okay. Since I, he said, um, something like, since, since you never lose versus me, this is Tom speaking, why don't you take the dirt challenge? Um, and actually before then, it was already an idea that bounced around. A few other players mentioned it to me. It seemed like a good idea. Um, and, and also at that time it was kind of rolled. So, uh, pretty much from there I decided it was a good idea. And also it's sort of a matter of ego. Like why, why say no when it seems like the best decision would be to actually take the challenge? Yeah. Especially if it's available to me. Um, so those things combined, I decided to take it. And also, I mean, I just think it'd be profitable. I mean, it just seemed like the best decision, really. Yeah. Um, to take it, or a good decision in terms of money, um, to make to make it in addition to it supporting, or a lot in addition to not taking it, like kind of hurting my ego slightly. Although that's minor consideration, it's beneficial that that's the case that making that decision to take the challenge is. <laughs> is beneficial to my ego, ego as well. Yeah, I think I think you know it's great to have an ego and stuff, but I think everyone's ego, uh, no matter how big, you know, does have a price. And obviously, you're not going to do it if it's going to involve a complete risk of ruin or something like that. I mean, yeah, you know, you're. I don't. I. I. You know, I don't think you're an Isildur one, someone that's going to come out and do that. You know, I mean, you, you obviously take shots and you practice aggressive bankroll management, etc. But I don't think you don't. You don't strike me as the guy. I, think, I might be wrong. That would sit with these last. You know, hundred k playing five hundred one thousand. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so the dirt challenge. What is? I I read the technicalities. To be honest, when it first started with the Patrick Antonius thing, I think everyone was excited by it, and that seemed to drag out a bit, and it just sort of lost steam and momentum. Um, but I think the match between you and uh, Doris seems to have even more of a following, uh, which is strange because you know Antonius is obviously, uh you know, one of these a sort of more well-known name because of his appearances on live poker, etc. And obviously a lot of the 2 plus tours, uh, you know, love Patrick Antonius. But um, I think more people seem to be following yours closely uh, because you're, you know, considered such a great online player and maybe like sort of does on the, on the ropes a little bit early. Um, and I read somewhere recently that he, he took a little bit of a... A sort of jibe at you saying that you seem to only want to play him after he's been playing long sessions or something. Was was there any, anything in that, or did, what did you think about him saying that? Um, well, I actually talked to him about that, and he said it wasn't. I mean, he wasn't. He was kind of upset when he said that, and yeah, um, he didn't. I guess he didn't really mean it. Um. As far as me going after him when he's trying to find long sessions, I'm pretty much just going after him when I, I see him on and not, like, watching him play or anything. If I see Duran, I'm like, oh, I, I'd like to play now. Because, uh-huh. Or at least if I'm in the mood for playing, and I just kind of go on. Um, so it's kind of a minor point at, at this point. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, a lot of things in the chat box. I mean, he could have said it tongue in cheek as well. You know, it's, it's hard to read the tone what someone's saying in a chat box online or whatever. He, he could have just been, you know, again, if he's needled you to try and play him and it's, I don't know the guy. That's maybe his personality, a little, you know, a needle here and there and stuff. Uh, just for a bit of, you know, banter or, you know, a bit of a laugh. Um, he probably didn't mean it that you were, you know, angle shooting or anything like that. <laughs> but um, I was sort of thinking, um, what's your thoughts on? Obviously, you're you're 20 years old, is that right, Daniel? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm 20. You're, you're 20. So next year, are you going to be 21 to play the WSOP? Yeah, I'm turning 21 in about a month and a half. A month and a half. Okay, so are you planning on playing uh, a lot of the tournaments at the World Series next year, or is the live poker tournament just sort of something that doesn't really grab your interest? Um, I'll probably be playing in them, actually. I'll, um... Yeah, I'll probably be playing in those tournaments. Uh, it's it's fun for me a little bit. Not so much foring, but six max and heads up are fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd like to... Yeah... Yeah, so sort of like maybe the bigger buy-in ones, the sort of 5Ks and the 10Ks and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, certainly the bigger ones, maybe not like the 1K mm-hmm. ones or anything yeah. like that. So how how important, I mean, is is a bracelet or a title something, is that something you want on your resume? Is that something important? I mean, it's something I want, but it's not so important that I just have to have it. Uh, yeah. It's something I'd like to get. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But it's not on any sort of... Uh, to do straight away thing, you know, you must do it. You're happy with the cash games and progressing as a player there, and obviously continually doing well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I was also thinking, um, the thing about high stakes. How, how does it sort of, uh, how much of it when the stakes that you're playing at, you know, uh, against players like you know Dur, Isildur one, etc. How much of it um, comes down to sort of. The, what they call, you know, the, the meta game, the outside, and how you're doing as a person, and you know, psychological control over yourself. Is it, is it sort of like the poker sort of goes, maybe takes a backseat in terms of fundamentals, etc., and and everything else comes to the fore, or is it still very much, you know, technical? Um, I, I'm not sure, like, to what extent that stuff influences. Uh influences like the results mm-hmm. i think it influences maybe like like 25 percent of the results or something like that if i had to guess but i still think the most important thing i mean everything really matters it depends i mean and also there are extreme cases where uh say life is going like re- really terrible for me or a cylinder and it, it just prevents uh one of us from playing like well at all or vice versa um or vice versa one's life's going really well and mm-hmm. it lets us play like just perfectly um but i think uh on the whole what's most important is just like the fundamentals basically i think um like like for for example if i was to play a fish at his peak um and i was at one of my lows in life or whatever uh or in mindset or whatever i would still win most of the time i mean yeah fundamentals in poker are pretty much the most important thing and then things like metagame and cetera are kind of secondary and the influence on them isn't that clear because especially when you're playing something like six tables just because like uh, the other guy's not going to be paying attention as much to each individual table and mostly like general like patterns will matter more than um, like not like 
more than something someone could draw off like one hand and stuff like that. That that's what I was gonna say. I was gonna say yeah, I read a lot about online players, you know, six tabling, twelve tabling, etc. etc. I mean the, there has to be a point where it is diluted and it really is purely it becomes purely fundamentals and uh, in terms of, you know, percentages in your edge and pushing those edges rather than any sort of metagame whatsoever you know obviously if you're using huds and things like that and you've got basic you know percentages of raising etc but there has to be a point where it does purely become would you even say like if you're playing six tables plus it kind of becomes irrelevant who you're playing at a certain stake because there is, it's so hard to maybe, you know, put reasons that across that many tables and uh, sort of take that information and maybe, you know, give it a weight at all. Um, I mean, it does matter, actually. It certainly does. Um, obviously, you're just not going to be as good as it. Um, yeah, you're just not going to be as good at use at adjusting to every different player when you're playing six tables. And if you were, if you were four, but I mean, you can still expand on that. You can still get better at it. And stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Still, it still matters a bit. Uh-huh. So, because you would say a lot of your uh, online guys that do multi-table, etc., when they go and play live cash, they're then sitting at one table with you know six players plus or, or less, and they're getting less hands. They get you know they, they have to concentrate a lot more. But a lot of these guys still seem to be. Excellent, you know, transition. There's an example of a really good online player that seems to have a great record live cash, except, well, set on televised, except, and things from, you know, stories you hear through live cash games in Vegas, etc. So it seems that they can, online players can adjust as well. And do you find that with, I mean, I don't know how much live cash you play these days, um, especially because it's 21 in Vegas, isn't it? Uh, for, uh-huh. for cash games. So, but I assume maybe in London, if you, Manage to play any live cash or anything? How do you find the transition now? Uh, because you're, you know, you're so used to the volume of hands, the amount of tables, etc. Um, well, it's a little bit boring, but the same fundamentals and stuff imply, apply. It, fundamentals in poker are still the most important thing, but obviously, there are more things to pay attention to, like uh, just your body, your body language, and the body language of other people and stuff, which has more effect, obviously, because you're playing live. But I mean, uh, since online players in general are so like they're for the only thing they can really, or the main thing that they can really um, work on is like fundamentals and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the biggest areas of online players' expertise. Uh, because of that, they're able to play to play in general. This is just what I think because of that because because um because they're so expert in this like really important area of poker, they're able to pretty much prosper along all fields, although they're not necessarily the best players uh, on all fields. I can imagine there are some live players that are significantly better than online players at live. I mean, there are just others. There's some other skill sets in live, um, especially in addition to the fact that online players are probably less likely to give the amount, give the same amount of um, attention to each individual hand as a live player is. I, I myself just when I'm playing like one table even online I just don't really think about it think about certain like little details that much maybe a live player is a little bit more casual in their approach and just takes their time and stuff like that which might be better for life mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think I think uh, maybe the key from that is a good online player 
a really good online player would be transit would do better live than a really really good live player would do online. Obviously, forgetting Phil Ivey. Uh, yeah. Yeah, much. yeah. Because just fundamentally, it does. It comes down to you know a deck of cards is a deck of cards, whether it's online or live. So all the fundamentals, etc., are, are just the same. So the the online player's got that in his arsenal as a sort of even a backup plan, if you like, you know, to, to, to be a winning player live or wherever he played. Yeah, yeah, you could definitely say that. Yeah. Um, I, I've read some of your blogs uh, on card runners, and, uh, you know, I read quite a few poker blogs, etc., and some of them aren't really great. Uh, but I really, really like your blog. I also like uh, Ashman's and Tony Dunn's, because you all seem to have this... Um, way about you that you you compare things you know outside life and other aspects of life with poker etc whereas a lot of other players just speak you know this hand went down this is how it happened end of uh, you strike me as a sort of guy that likes to think about things uh, a logical think you know not just poker outside life etc um do you find yourself doing things like comparing everything to poker not in a bad way but in a sort of philosophical way or seeing things uh, in life that can be applied to poker and vice versa. Um, yeah. Yeah, you could definitely say that. Um, I tend to think those sorts of topics are more interesting than especially single hands. Yeah. In fact, uh, I'd much rather think about those sorts of things uh-huh. um, and more like general like principles of life rather than, you know, just some hand or, or some technicality in poker. I, yeah. I just think it's a more interesting topic. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it is one of these games uh, that can be related to everything. And I, it almost reminds me of the scene, I don't know if you've seen A Beautiful Mind with Russell Crowe. Have you seen that film? Uh, no, I don't think so. All right, it's about uh, Nash, the economics uh, Nobel Prize winner. And he's out in a bar with his friends and they're all speaking about uh, how to pick up a girl. And he comes out and hits them with game theory. Uh, of how to pick up this girl and you know the, the certain strategies if they all go for the attractive one then they'll be rejected and the other girls won't go for them because they went for the attractive one first etc so he works out the optimal strategy for uh, you know picking up a girl with his friends through game theory and uh, obviously I'm not saying you take it to that level but do you, you do you sometimes sit and think you know um, poker's a bit like that or even an EV situation in terms of uh, you know, guys like Sklansky, they all relate it to things like even, you know, buying a car or, or a house or whatever. Uh, do you sort of work like that? or? Yeah, I mean, the same principles definitely apply in anything. I mean, mm-hmm. more, I guess, actually, it's more like vice versa. Um, EV in, in life uh, applies to poker because obviously EV is a general concept of thing is something that can pretty much apply to anything. Mm-hmm. Um, an example of like a decision I'd make based on EV is the fact that insurance, for example, insurance in my mind is always negative EV because how else can the insurance companies make money? So if I was ever given the option to not have insurance, I won't take it because it's not profitable to take it. Yeah, yeah. That's like blackjack. Never the optimal strategy is never take insurance in blackjack, you know. And it would be the case if I couldn't take if I could get away legally without having car insurance or anything, I wouldn't take insurance either. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think the biggest crossover I've found, um, uh, as I say, I was an economics uh, student, graduated five years ago, um, but have done no- nothing with the degree. I, d- I don't say nothing. I mean, I d- I've not went the normal job route and, you know, taken a job in finance or etc. Um, but the thing um, I found is there's a huge crossover between poker 
and trading, you know, stocks and shares or commodities or whatever. And um, a lot of the quotes, uh, success books and by guys that have made, you know, hundreds of million dollars in the market, I read the book Market Wizards, I actually found them to be amazing poker strategy books. And I was speaking with another um, high stakes player and he said the same thing. You know, um, is it something you've ever thought about, you know, trading the markets, etc., and the crossover? Um, a little bit, although... Yeah, a little bit, although, I mean, in order to do that, I might as, I would have to forsake poker, and I've had so much success at poker at this point that it's just probably not a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're not going to throw it in and, and run down to the trading pit. <laughs> yeah, because, uh, no, it's just one of these things when I see things about, you know, money management rules. They say, okay, never risk uh, more than, you know, uh, 5% of your... Uh, role, you know, on any one trade, and they talk about there are there are four kind of bets. There are good bets, bad bets, bets that you win, and bets that you lose. And you know, they could say winning a bad bet can be the most dangerous outcome of all, because the success of that kind can encourage you to take more bad bets in the future. So I suppose it's sort of like a poker player that gets it in bad, you know, and sucks it or whatever at the start, and just goes on an amazing heater. He can be fooled that he's a, a winning player. Yeah. Um, you know, and you can also lose on a good bet, but no matter how sound the underlying proposition. But if you keep placing good bets over time, then you know you're eventually. Well, the hope is you're gonna you're gonna even out. Yeah, that's pretty similar to to poker, and <laughs> pretty much spot on with poker, actually. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I just. I found that, you know, I've read, you know, a few books and stuff, you know, the poker strategy books, etc. But I think things that sort of hit home and get the sort of like overall concept clearer in, in my head. And, and also an, another player I was speaking with was the sort of trading books. And I, I, just like little quotes like that and little bits of information like that about, you know, stop losses, how important it is to, you know, maybe if you were playing online and you, you lose three buy-ins, how important it is to just quit sometimes. I remember reading an article about Phil Ivey. It's something he does. Is that something you do or do you just, if the game's good enough, I'm going to keep playing this? Um. Well, with regards to stop loss, mm-hmm. like, if humans were perfect, then there would be no need for stop losses because the idea of a stop loss is that emotionally you've become compromised such yeah. that you can no longer think clearly. Um, I mean, I probably should do it certainly at some point. I tend not to just because, well, first of all, action's really rare. Mm-hmm. Um, against a fish, I probably wouldn't have a stop loss, even though it might make sense to have it, especially against the fish. Mm-hmm. So I'm much more upset if I lose against a fish than I am against to lose against like a silver or someone who's really good. Yeah. Um, but I mean, as a general like idea, it's definitely a good a good idea to to have a stop loss. Although ideally, what you'd want to be what you'd want is just to never ever become emotionally attached to the results, uh, particularly negatively, um, so that you just always play your A game, no matter if you just took, like, four two-outers in a row or a thousand two-outers in a row or something. Um, although it might not, that might not even be feasible, so perhaps, I mean, perhaps a stop loss is necessary for everyone, although generally I don't really implement it, implement it that much. Only yeah. in extreme scenarios. Yeah, I think I think you're an experienced player and someone, you know, that's obviously got a good head on their shoulders and can sort of deal with swings and detach themselves emotionally. I was just thinking maybe for some other players, maybe guys that are starting out, etc., in some stocks accounts and stuff, you can have an actual automate, you know, you, you put your stop in 
three buy-ins and if full tilt or stars you know had something like that you know in a day three buy-ins stop loss i know you can have deposit limits and stuff in a day but you know if you could set up an aspect uh, if i lose x this day you're sort of locked out your account for two hours or something to cool down or something do you think that would be a that would have a huge benefit for players that can't detach emotionally or do you think these guys are just going to find another way to deposit on another site and steam it off there um, I think that should be a good way, actually. it's It takes quite a bit of work to mm-hmm. deposit on another site. And, I mean, yeah, that's pretty much just why I think that that would probably help a lot. That's yeah. a good idea to just kind of kick them off their account uh-huh. when they lose enough because it's really hard to quit when you're tilting and losing money. And yeah. it's pretty hard to make that decision, even though it's probably the right one. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the players that sit there waiting on the fish coming on are probably thinking, what am I on about? <laughs> but uh, for guys that, you know, it can become a problem with, etc., there maybe is some sort of control, you know, uh, that they could have on accounts there for the people that really, you know, uh, can't control the beast that's in, the degenerate beast that's inside them. Yeah, um, yeah. I definitely like the idea, actually. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a good idea. Especially if they're in America, I mean... You know, I'm from Scotland in the UK, and there's uh, no problems playing online any sites here. Poker's actually tax-free. You know, winnings, any income from poker is tax-free in the UK. Um, but in America, with all this online gambling act, etc., I think they're going to need to start looking at things like that to do whatever they can to sort of get people on side that you know it's not the devil's uh, work. Yeah, hopefully that will happen. Um, so far, the legislation on the on the taxing, as far as I can tell, is really vague. Mm. Um, and that's also not really working in the government's favour, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm just uh, going to ask uh, sort of a few last uh, bits and pieces, Daniel. We're t- taking up quite a bit of your time now. Um, I was just going to say, if you could uh, sort of speak with someone that started with, say, a $500 bankroll now, what would you say the key steps now to, to make a go at poker and, and building a role? Um, definitely to take it slow and just try to gradually move up and move up and move up. Definitely not to follow good re- good bankroll management in general. Just to realize in general that becoming or making a lot of money on poker does not happen overnight. It's really just a gradual process, and doing it in such a way um, is like by far the most profitable way to succeed. Um, and also perhaps to, I mean, it, a good. Good game selection is necessary, but I'd like to recommend that they be not too tight with the game selection, at least at, for lower stakes, uh, if they're doing things like playing heads up, or even maybe six max, for which it's, I mean, it's still, uh, game selection's like probably a little bit more key, um, especially in the lower stakes, but um, in general, just to not fall into this bomb hunter mentality where you can only play like till uh, droolers at the stakes that you're playing. Mm-hmm. Um, just to get experience against better players, I think it's also a good thing. It also help you to move up in the long run, I believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if there was sort of like uh, one one book that, that they should read, what would that be? And it, and it can be one of these new ebook things that have been brought out that are you know a thousand dollars or whatever. It just whatever you think the best book uh, a beginning player could go out and read that would have a good impact on their game. Um, honestly, I haven't been reading books very much lately. Uh. I would I would guess that if any of the books are, are really good, it's probably one of the ebooks um, made by some of the, the online guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
if I had to recommend something as far as like uh, some sort of media is about the game, mm-hmm. I'd probably recommend like the videos of like Carboners or yeah, uh, just any of the training sites. Honestly, yeah, a lot of them have some good information and probably the most pertinent information, especially with regards to online poker in general. Um, as for live poker, maybe like a book on like reads, like Mars, Mike Caro's book of tells or something. I, I just haven't read that many books lately. So yeah, I was going to say I think I think the new uh, the new books, the new super system, if you like, for this is card runners. It is uh, you know Deuces Cracked, etc., etc. Yeah. Um, it's guys that you know are doing it online. It's, you know, it's it is the game online rather than reading something which was written years ago. I'm not. Saying Super System's not a great book. I'm not saying Theory of Poker's not an excellent book, etc. For fundamentals, but in terms of playing online, it, it surely has to be training videos these days. I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think it's a great way to learn as well. Actually, watching someone rather than reading the book and trying to, you know, process it that way. Um. So Daniel, that's great. So um, uh, all we can sort of like talk about now is the the Dirt Challenge and how you sort of see that going. You got any sort of rough idea when you guys are going to sort of finish that? Are you going to be putting in a lot of volume on that, or does it just depend on your schedules? Um, I don't have a, like a specific idea of when it will finish. Although I think it'll take um, probably a couple months at least. Uh, once October ends, it'll probably go a bit faster. Once late October starts, Stir says he won't be as busy during that time. And right now he says he's really busy, so we can't play too much. Okay. Uh, and I'm about to be a bit busy as well. I'm going to on a trip in Miami relatively soon. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, yeah, it should it it should finish. It's not. It won't finish like that soon, but it'll finish like in a few months, I suspect. Yeah. Okay. And the the last question. Uh, it's quite a. You know, a whimsical question. But um, if you had your last $100,000 in the world and you had to play heads up, would it be Isildur 1 or Dur? It'd be Dur. It'd be Dur. <laughs> okay, that's great. Right, thanks a lot, Daniel, for your time. <laughs> no problem. <laughs>